right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Day Room Podcast. Uh, today's episode is very special. One of my best friends, uh, my hunting buddy, and uh, my Navy brethren, Tyler Stark. Say what's up, Tyler. What's up, y'all? Marcus, thanks for getting me on, man. It's been a long time coming. Bro, <laughs> well, we should have done this two years ago. We tried to do this while we were out hunting. Wait, what is it, 2021? Uh, I think so. Yeah, we were gonna we were gonna try to record. I even rented an RV so we didn't have to tent camp while we were out there. The so whiskey, we, the whiskey got in the way though. The whiskey got in the way. We had to tend to the fire, and then uh, we had our sons out there, and um, they were TikToking or whatever kids do. <laughs> but yeah, but most certainly the whiskey got in the way. All right, Tyler. So we're gonna start by you telling us where you're from. Um, so born and raised Mesa, Arizona, um, lived nowhere else besides here, <laughs> minus uh, four years up in Bremerton, Washington, where I was, uh, had the honor of serving in the Navy. Okay. And what, what year did you graduate high school and when did you go to the Navy? I graduated in 01, um, enlisted at three in the morning, um, in July of 2001 with a boot camp date of October 1st. Um, so I had a couple of months in between and something happened, um, you know, between the time I enlisted to the time I shipped out. Yeah. And it's funny because the last couple of episodes, a couple of guys that I actually, I served, um, in combat with similar stories where they joined in one and while they were in basic training, uh, something, something happened. Yeah. Little, Whole world changed, man. Little Whole thing world. over in New York happened. Uh, what, what made you join the Navy though? Oh, man, that's, I wasn't ready for college. You know, I, I, working sucked. I didn't want to work a normal job. I didn't want to go frame houses. I didn't want to go, you know, cook food. I just, I didn't know what to do. And I was, you know, home after, after a high school party and saw a Navy commercial and I called and they didn't leave me alone. They, they hounded my ass for a month uh, before I finally wound up saying, fine, you know what? I'll do it if you leave me alone. <laughs> and and that, you know, life took a turn from there. Yeah, yeah. Definitely uh that morning I was doing landscaping with a buddy on off topic here on September eleventh. And uh he comes out from his boss's house and he's like, dude, somebody bombed New York. And we went inside and we watched the second tower fall. And it they always say that you'll remember that exact moment for the rest of your life, where you were what you were doing, who you were with. And if that's the truth, man, like that was the day that my life changed, your life changed, Jordan's life changed. Everyone listened to this podcast, their life changed. I mean, it was, it's a, that's a day, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and it's funny as you're talking about that and um, thinking back to when the, I was at Fort Campbell, Kentucky and, so, you know, I, I remember a couple of days before that we, you know, I was in my, in my fields, like, why are we doing this? I got a baby at home. I just want to go visit my wife. We had some things coming up where we were going to the field for a few weeks and I just wanted to be home. And, but you know, like you do in the military, we, we have some training to do. Let's go do it. We knocked out the training and then I literally, uh, we did PT that morning. I go to the gym like I always do after PT and I worked out a little more. Um, and I remember I was in the shower and I hear my pager go off because I'm on the quick reactionary team. And I'm like, 
you know, we just did a damn drill. What are they doing? I run out and as I'm grabbing my pager, I hear like four other pagers start to go off. And now I know it's, it's real. It's serious. Something's going on. And then I hear people out in the gym because I'm in the locker room. I hear people out in the gym. There's chatter. And I walk out there and everybody's around the TV. And it's literally, I'm in a towel. I'm dripping wet. I got soap and all over me. And I look up and that's when the second plane, the plane hit the second tower. And I didn't know, I didn't even know what to think. I'm like, what is happening? Is it an accident? Like what happened? How did this happen? Like, yeah, no freaking clue. But I mean, as you're, as you're watching that, you know, I, you don't, you don't see the other tower that's smoking with smoke billowing out. You just, you know, you, I see the plane hit that second tower and it's like, oh no. So now I got to run in, get dressed and figure out what the heck's going on. But you were, so you were in training and you know what? Let me stop here because Jordan, I want you to introduce yourself to, we have a guest sitting in. He's our engineer. How's it going? Also a Navy veteran, Navy CB. So you want to, you want to, where are you from originally? Uh, I'm actually from Seattle, Washington. So not too far from Bremerton where Tyler was at. It's funny that uh, he was stationed there. I grew up there my whole life. Um, I actually joined the Navy in 2009 uh right after i graduated high school i wanted to go to college but i knew i didn't have the grades to go in and i knew that the navy would afford me an opportunity if i served to not only travel but also get an education down the road as well so that was pretty much my uh my way in but regarding 9-11 i remember being i remember exactly where i was you know getting ready to go to school at that time. What, what grade was, were you in? I then? was in sixth grade at the time. Holy oh, shit. We're, we're freaking Jordan. old. Yeah, I'm, I'm 32. <laughs> so it's, I, you know, I'm, I'm younger, but it was, it's funny that you mentioned that at the age gap now, because I, I just, you know, graduated being an intern, getting hired on here, but I was at school a couple months ago and there were kids that are at the college age of 18 now who are in school that weren't even born. Isn't when that crazy? Nine, when I have happened. kids that weren't born then. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. This Me too. Is, this is insane. This is crazy. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, I'll ask you why you joined the Navy here in a bit. Okay. Um, But, you know, so you got recruited. You said 3 a.m.? What the hell were you doing at 3 a.m.? I mean, desert parties. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we we went out with some friends and met some girls and had a good night and I was home just kind of pondering my life. Like, do I want to do this every day of my life? You know, watch the sports center probably. Cause that's all we did back then. And Navy commercial comes on and I'm like, damn, that looks cool. See the world. You know, go Navy. <laughs> they tricked you. They <laughs> tricked you. See the world. Clean this boat. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you, you joined the Navy. Where'd you do boot? Chicago. What is that? Great Lakes? Great Lakes. Yep. Great yeah. Lakes. Great mistakes as we called it. Uh, I don't know if they still called it that whenever you were in. They did, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I showed up October 1st. It was 100 degrees outside. Uh, the next day, it snowed. And I was like, oh, this sucks. Like, this is not going to be a fun time. And, you know, going from wearing shorts day one to the next day, I mean, you're bundled up. Scarves and gloves and running in boots. And you're, you're cold. So what, what month was that? October. October, okay. So we're coming up on the anniversary of you being there um october 1st is when i enlisted i graduated december 6th okay so we passed it and what so 
anything memorable about going through boot besides the the weather? Um, not really, man. I mean, I played sports in high school, right? Baseball, football, whatever. So boot camp to me was it was easy. You know what I mean? It was more the the mental side of things, the the being broken down and built back up. But you know, in, in a football camp, you deal with that as it is, right? So you 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 embrace the suck. You know, it it is what it is. You go, you deal with it, and you become a better man for it. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things I talk to a lot of vets about because most most of the guys that I talk to that served just came off the street. They didn't, you know, they may or may not have played sports. But, you know, I played through high school, a uh, year of college. So going straight from college football to basic, it was like, you know, this is the, the hardest part was the mental aspect of it. Um, but even going through two-a-days, as I know you know all about, we talked about it all the mm-hmm. time. like you would there would be guys like oh no you know what uh, i got a dentist appointment so i can't come to the the, the right. afternoon practice but for us it was it was a win if i could get to the the afternoon practice and push through um now i don't know what navy boot camp was like i can only speak for army boot camp tell tell me about that cuz i i make fun of air force guys and girls because they really didn't have to do anything like what we had to do push-ups pull-ups running um what what was it like going through i know you said it was easy but um the things that you guys had to do on a day-to-day basis in navy boot camp you guys are my first navy veterans on this show so um i want to kind of dive a little bit deep into your experience from basic all the way through yeah for sure um so we can start day one right you fly into o'hare um, you sit there for four hours waiting for the bus to come pick you up. Um, they pick you up and they're playing videos the entire time showing what's going to happen in boot camp. And you're like, oh, that whatever, you know, you're marching, you're running, you're, you know, you're, you're singing a cadence, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you, you pull up through the gates and then shit hits, right? They yell at you when you're coming off the bus. They break you down. They beat you up. They tell you you have five minutes. Go call your parents. Let them know you're here. Cause you ain't going to talk to them for a while. Um, they strip you down. They run you through, they look at you. They say, okay, you're a large, you're a medium, you're this, you're that, whatever. They give you your pile of clothes in your hands, your sweatpants, your, 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 your pee clothes, right? Your pee day clothes. Um, they, they keep you up for 24, 36 hours, just beating the hell out of you. Emotionally berating, belittling, treating you like you're, you know, less than a human, right? I'm sure the army was the same way. <laughs> yep. As, I'm, as you're saying this stuff, I'm just reliving it. Exactly. I'm so, going through everything, like getting off the bus. I'm like, and yep, it, I remember this. Far more. It's it's much more recent for Jordan than us. Oh, but it, it's a kinder, gentler Navy now. Yeah. Than even when I was in. Well, I would say in, in 2009, it probably was just transitioning. But... It was starting to get pretty soft. Like I remember people that I met in the battalion a year or two later getting their like stress cards. See that's the people like oh you I can't, you can't work me out fleet. can't work me out too hard here's my stress card and it's like oh, oh okay my <laughs> that bad that is wild and and did they have did they still have cell phones coming through like the drill sergeants couldn't take your cell phones away we didn't get oh, what we didn't have phones no no electronics nothing nothing like so that. oh you had a pay phone you... and an AT and T card if you wanted to go call yeah, somebody and and, <laughs> and that was on Sundays pay phone yeah yeah our so my personal boot camp experience uh, I didn't get to talk to my family the whole time I was there. Except for via wow. 
writing. Wow. Yeah. And my and my experience showing up to Great Lakes was actually uh, slowed as well. Our plane had the the wind the front windshield fell off the plane before we took off. Like where the pilots are. Yeah. So they stalled us going to Chicago for like six hours. So we ended we showed up from Washington. Yeah, we showed up at RTC at at, at Great Lakes at like four in the morning. And so they were already, they were already pissed off at us because we were late and slowed down their process. So it was an additional thirty six hours of extra bullshit because Man. it was our fault that the plane was fucking late. You know, <laughs> it had to be. It had. To yeah, be. it had to be. Why? Why not? Let's blame the recruits. Yep. Right. Wow. Yeah, I did. Man, I literally for the first like two weeks I didn't shit in boot camp, and I don't know if it was from being scared of, of what i was getting myself into i don't know if it was the food i don't it nobody though like it was just standard across the board nobody shit for like two weeks well i mean what so i know in in basic training for us it was i mean and i went 177 years ago but it was like the you were a patent right fuck you <laughs> <laughs> yeah we had to go fight running bull in them <laughs> but no i i can remember like just a gigantic tray of powdered eggs that they made um the bacon it, it looked like something you wouldn't feed your dog right and you know potato i don't even know they, they looked like potatoes they didn't taste like potatoes but i i remember just getting a plate of that and and i don't even remember tasting it all it was just scarf it down and let's go we got to get back to training yeah yeah was five it, was, minutes was Head that the same experience you guys had yeah sit down you got a timer you got like five seven minutes eat the food as soon as you're done you stand up get back yep. formation head back and, to and you don't talk if you talk oh they're gonna eat your ass <laughs> really <laughs> oh yeah no 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 fun allowed oh fun is secured okay okay so i i think i'm gaining a lot more respect for you you squids as we go um I mean, I I know that I, you guys probably didn't have it as hard as us, but you know, well, it, it wasn't easy. I mean, it, it sucked. Yeah, right? it was it fun. was mentally a pain in the ass, but I never got physically beat no? by anybody. No, no. Drill no, never I mean, put his boot in your chest. RECs, you know, they'd come in and they'd yell "abandoned ship," right? And you knew what that meant. You're throwing your the racks. You're going back against the wall. You're closing all the windows. They're turning the heat up to eighty in the room, eighty five. And they're going to sweat you until it rains. Yep. And they would make it rain at barracks. It's not fun. I wow. think I think the biggest, biggest way they were able to get under my skin is, like I said, I was able to keep in contact with my family via letters. And, like, my parents sent photographs. And so the, the DIs would, like, take the photographs. And then I remember one day specifically my drill sergeant came in and he was like, all right, uh, who's – like whose mom is this? And I was like, it's mine. It's like she's pretty. I can't wait to fuck her when she comes to graduation. What? And it's just like stuff like that. They say to get under your skin. He's like, I can't wait to have like a nice little one on one with your mom, like while you're talking to your dad catching up. It's like stuff like that. And they just like just just to get just to get at you. Um, did you guys have a live range at some point? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably pistol not a good range. Idea. Everything else was all automated. That's probably yeah. not a good idea. We had we had nine mil, but the like the sixteens were they were. Yeah, what you're saying, automated computer guns, basically, like with a air with an air canister connected to them. Yeah. <clears throat> so when you pull the trigger, you still get the recoil, but it's oh, okay. all digital okay. in terms of like, it, you know, seeing like where you hit and stuff like that. Yeah. So oh only no, thing, only thing live was the nine. 
we had live everything. M16s, everything was live fire. So they, I, I can imagine it would be like Full Metal Jacket if you tried some shit like that. Oh, yeah, you... Family's off limits, man. You yeah, can talk about me all sure. you want, but you don't talk about my family. That, yeah. that ain't cool. Yeah. So that, that that's that's probably pretty much what made that difficult. And I like I I did all the weapon stuff later on. I had to go to combat training because I was a CB up in Gulfport, Mississippi. But that was a whole different story. Yeah. And I want I'm I'm curious because I stopped in Gulfport for um on my way to Fort Polk, Louisiana for training. Mm-hmm. And I'm I want to I want to hear your experience about that here in, the, okay. in a little bit. But man, Gulfport was amazing. It's it's beautiful. I just I don't do well with humidity. I don't either. That's why I moved to Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> but so you 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 make it through boot, and then where's your your job training? Uh, my A school was actually right across the street. <laughs> Still in Chicago. But, yeah, yeah. So. Um... I went to MMA school, so machinist mate was my was my rating. What is uh, that? Literally right across the street. So they they bagged us up. What's a machinist mate? What's that? What's a machinist mate? I, I'm a wrench turner, man. Glorified so, mechanic. Yeah, big big old <laughs> mechanic on a ship. So you fix anything on the ship, or no? So I was, well, I was in the reactor department. So our main focus was propulsion, and with me being a conventional machinist mate. We did nothing but diesel generators, shaft alleys. Uh, mainly the shaft alleys was my my workspace. So we do bearing work, a uh, whole hell of a lot of needle gunning, a lot of painting, a lot of a lot of busy work. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It was cool. Like we we did cool stuff, but it was nothing like if you're a mechanic in the army, right? You're working on you're working on you know Humvees. You're working on the Bradley. You're, you know you're actually working on stuff. Right. Ours was mostly maintenance. Um, within within my position okay and what so i know you talked to the recruiter super early in the morning but what made you choose that as opposed to going nuclear or something else um does the detailer ever tell anybody the truth um (laughs) no (laughs) no but i mean and and i guess if you just decided like i need to get the fuck out of here then I would assume you probably didn't dig. So deep. my, my ASVAB, I scored really high on the mechanical side of things. Yeah. Um, so they kind of steered me in that direction. Um, I wish I would have gone more, you know, helicopter aviation maintenance yeah. side. Um, but not knowing anything at that point in time and not really having anyone that I could confide in and talk to and, and really point me in a good direction versus the detailer that's trying to get, their quota and their numbers filled on specific, um, you know, in the army, a specific MOS, right? Like it's, it just is what it is. Yeah. So you needs of the Navy basically. Yeah. 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 And, and that's one thing I, that I had heard once I told, like I was, so one of my football coaches was a retired uh, Navy guy. And when I, I didn't tell anybody that I was, like thinking about it until probably last couple of games of the season. And they were like, why the hell would you do that? You know, just come back next season. Um, we got some, we got some good recruits. We're going to be better. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm, I'm done, man. I'm burnt out. I hate school. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm going to join the military. And and I remember him taking me, I was on the training table getting my, my ankle worked on. And he's like, Hey, so what branch are you planning on joining? I'm like, I don't know, man. And he's like, look, all I'm going to tell you is 
tell them you want to go communications. It's like, what? He's like, yeah, because they're going to try to get you to go infantry or, or you know, something else, that the, the needs of whatever branch it is. Tell them you want to go communications. And I was like, you know what? That's not a bad gig. Because I, I went to an AV high school. So our high school had its own TV station um, and radio station. Um, and so that was something that I, that I had always been interested in. But I didn't know what it meant to go, you know, to do communications in the military. So when I talked to the the Army recruiter, and that's the first freaking thing that he tried to, he's like, oh, hey, you know, you you play sports? You'll be a great infantry soldier. You can go to ranger school and you can, yeah. And I was like, no, nah, I want to go communications. And he's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I want to go communications. And so when he came to the house and he brought, of course, he brought the big infantry book. Like, look at this cool guy on the front with all of this camouflage yeah, on his that. face. Look, look at that tab he has. Yeah, look at that. He's, I mean, he, did you see the parachute? Look at this. And I was like, nah, man, I want to, I want to do communications. And I just stuck with that. And that's what, you know, that's, that's where I went. So it's, I mean, I, I understand it's one thing, you know, when you just decide I, I need to get out of here, I'm going to go and do that. And they say, Hey, Hey, why don't you go do this? This is awesome. And they're like, Oh, it's, it's a, it's a fireman rate. And I was like, Oh, that's great. I want to be a firefighter. <laughs> <laughs> and Jordan, yeah. you, you were a CB. So what made you choose? So. Initially, I wasn't a, I did wasn't going in to be a CB. I was actually going in to be a corpsman. Um, but at the time, I was uh, so I was scheduled to ship out for February of 2010, and my situation was I need to get out sooner, or else I'm probably going to be getting into some trouble, and I don't want to do that. So I called my recruiter and said, "I'd like to take the next position you have available to go to boot camp. What do you have available?" And they said, "You got to change your rate." Um, uh, you, we have a CB slot available. You could be an electrician. And I said, okay, I'll take it. And I didn't know, I had no idea at the time what it was, <laughs> but yeah, it was more of an, I needed to get out of town. And, uh, so they were like, well, we don't have any Corman slots available to fill right now for RTC, but we do have a CB slot available. You'd be an electrician. And I said, what kind of work is it? And they said, it's mainly construction. And I said, okay, sounds good. And they said, uh, you also won't be on a ship ever and i was like huh so joining the navy but not ever going to be on a ship all right and uh yeah for my entire six years never set, never once set foot on a ship did you have to do a six-year bill for i did school? i did i did an extra one for my for my rate specifically yeah so after uh i did that i, I did add an extra year on when i got to wichita falls for a school Wichita Falls, right? That's, like, how cool that, is that? That doesn't say Navy. I don't know what does. Yeah, it was on a on a Air Force base, so it was actually pretty luxurious. But uh, we 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 couldn't leave the base, man. Everybody around the base hated the military, and it was always like, "Can't go here." People are getting stabbed. Wow. People are getting harassed. People are getting beat up. So, like, just just stay on base. Yeah, and and I mean, you that was well after nine eleven. So yeah, by that point, we had a pretty bad standing with a you know a lot of yeah. groups and thank you by the way oh no problem so a school um t- like walk me through the 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 situation there you know you you're leaving boot so i'm sure you probably like you didn't get leave between right you didn't go home or anything you went straight from yeah straight from <clears throat> um luckily it, it timed up with christmas though so i took a week off for christmas um after I'd already been there for like three weeks, um, you know, graduating December 6th, 
And then the base basically shutting down for the 21st of uh, December through the first of the year. Yeah. Um, took time off, came home, got to see the family, friends, all that fun stuff. Um, it, you know, heading into to A school, it was something because at that point it became a nine to five. You know, it, it was a normal job at that point in time. It wasn't, you know, you wake up at four in the morning, you have a watch, you, you know, you still had to stand watch and stuff like that, but it, it became a job. Um, you could smoke cigarettes again. You could go to, you could leave the base, um, you know, after school was done or on the weekends and stuff like that. Um, you had to wear a uniform still. You didn't quit smoking while you were in boot? No, we couldn't smoke in boot camp. No, no, I'm saying you didn't quit while you were Oh, in I did. I did. And then I started up again. Wow. <laughs> I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so... Like what? What did it consist of? What What did a school consist of while you were there? How long was it? Ah, uh, oh god, six ish months. Six months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the army mechanic I mean, school is like seven weeks. Yeah, I mean they're teaching you propulsion. They're teaching you how to work on stuff, how to turn wrenches, how to do all that fun stuff. Um, maybe it wasn't six months. Fuck, dude, three months. Because I knew yeah, you know what, three. Because I, I got to the ship in February. Okay, that's still pretty long, but that's awesome. Yeah, mine was, Yeah, I got to Wichita Falls in February, and then I graduated mid-July. Wow. <laughs> I mean, Mark, is it, if I would have been a nuke, I mean, they're, they're 18 months. It's 18 months, yeah. Before that's... they even step foot on a ship. And is, and, and they is that in Virginia? They come in as an E4. Where, where's their training? Uh, Groton, Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Wow. 18 months. Okay, so nothing is. Was there anything worth mentioning while you were in a school? Not really. I mean, it. You know, you wake up at six. You go. You go PT with your buddies. You come back. You shower. You you get dressed into your your working blues, and then you go. Uh, you go to class. You go get lunch. You go back to class. I mean, it's it's all day class. I mean, it's you know eight hours of class all day long, and then you come back and. You, you sit around in the day room, you, you chill, you watch football, you watch TV, you, you know, polish up your shoes, you, you know, you make sure your room's clean stuff like that. But I mean, it's, it really, at that point, it, it became, it became a nine to five job, you know, the military, it's hard to explain. Cause I mean, you, you didn't experience anything like that in the army, right? You were more, it was more structured. It was, right? well, basic. And then my first. Um, we call it AIT, Advanced Individual Training for Communications. Was it was relatively structured, but again, I was still young. I you know, I didn't really. I, we had fun. Don't get me wrong. We we did a lot of things that were outside of the lines. <laughs> but oh, as did we. <laughs> you know, um, when so like weekends. You know, of course, you wake up on Saturday and. I don't I don't really recall leaving the base on a Saturday afternoon where uh my second training for air traffic control oh it was we were, it was bananas man if we didn't if we didn't have to be on base we're going to find a bar somewhere that's how we were too I mean, we we'd jump on the train and we'd go from Great Lakes down into Chicago you know we'd go you know explore Chicago go to the bars we'd I mean, at 19 years old, 18 years old, we'd find places that would sell to us because we were in uniform. Yeah. That was my <laughs> question. Know, they, didn't, they didn't care. So you you got to leave um, 
when you were in training there for for yeah machinist yeah i mean we had to be in uniform unless you had to do certain things to be able to get overnight liberty privileges or you know city privileges but outside of that i mean you're in uniform and you're back by by lights out you're you're back by nine o'clock you're back by 10 o'clock whatever or there's hell to pay okay and, and see and that's a big difference for us where we had phases and if you were in a certain phase where you didn't have civvies like so phase four you got your civvies but you could only go to like the the exchange and the bowling alley right next to the exchange once you got phase five now you can go off base, you can go to the mall, you can do all these things. Uh, we never had to wear uniform after that. But if you were in uniform, you were around the barracks area, or you go into the, the exchange or the dining facility. That's it. Um, but for you at, at in Wichita, you couldn't leave base? No, we had, we had phases just like you did. Okay. It was, I was just about to say it's a pretty much almost the exact same thing. There were only three phases. So phase one was... Uh, like you were you were stuck pretty much around that whole like main common area. You could go to the the PX, you could go and all that kind of stuff, and you could wear your civilian clothes after like seven PM. Phase two was like you could leave base in your civilian clothes. Phase three allowed you to do that as well, and then allowed you also to uh, request overnight. If you okay. Wanted. Yep. You can get a hotel and 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 live it up for twenty four hours. <laughs> yep. <All> right. <laughs> Not have to try and pretend to be sober coming back across the quarter deck. <laughs> right. So you guys went to to co-ed boot and a school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I was in a, a uh, male female division in boot camp, so I had both. Okay. In it. Oh, so was I. Oh, you guys are lucky. Fort Sill. Yeah. All dudes. We had to pretend to be sick to go see girls. <laughs> to go to go to the TMC to see chicks. Or or the older ladies that worked in the dining facility, they started to look good after about week five. Oh yeah, and deployment does that to you. <laughs> yeah, deployment too. Yeah, you you get to the debt. We call them desert dimes. You get back to yeah. You spent 145 days at the sea on an aircraft carrier. You'd be looking good, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? See, I'm not I'm not with that navy stuff, man. Hey, we we, we have we have, we have a saying in the navy. It's uh, it's not queer by or it's, it's only queer by the pier. It's not gay underway. Yep, not gay underway. Oh, uh, see, well, and I got two of y'all on here. <laughs> Might get canceled before we get started. <laughs> right, right. All right. So leaving a school, you go to Bremerton. Yep. And what was that experience like? Like getting there, getting through the gate. Now you're free. You don't have to worry about anybody telling you what to do for, for the most part. You know, you're actually going to do your job. And... Coming from Arizona, going to Washington, and I'm going to say this because my in my, February, nonetheless. Yes, my <laughs> my first duty station was Korea. My second duty station was Fort Lewis. Coming from California, being in Washington, I didn't know what depression was until I got right. There. It's just sad rain, sad rain. Yeah. For so eight I mean, out of the year, how did it affect you when you first got there? It took some getting used to. Um, so we we got to the ship at like three o'clock in the morning. Um, we sat in the NWR for hours waiting on them to send a shuttle to come pick us up. Um, it's about an hour away. You know, Tacoma to Bremerton is about an hour, give or take. Um, unless you can take a ferry, but at that point in time, we had no idea what, where we were going, what we were doing, whatever. So I get there and I get out of the van and we start walking down to the ship. If you've never stood next to an aircraft carrier, bro, it's 
but it's like the Empire State Building on its side. I mean, it is just a massive, massive, massive piece of engineering. And you're walking up to it as a 19, 18-year-old kid, and you're just looking at it. It's this big-ass gray thing. There's rain coming down all around you. There's dudes standing up on it with M16s looking around everywhere. And then you walk up, and, and you act you not knowing proper etiquette of being in the fleet. You ask to you know come on board like you would whenever you're walking back into a barracks at, at A school or in boot camp or whatever. And they just look at you like you're the dumbest piece of shit in the world. <laughs> Because they, they, they know you're a boot. They know it. You're wearing, you show up in dress blues, right? And no one comes back onto the ship in dress blues. <laughs> you know, it's, they, they just know and they, they make fun of you. And the lights are all off everywhere. It's all red lights everywhere. And, and you're just trying to get accustomed to where you're at. It's overwhelming. And to, what time really did you say you got least. to the ship? It was like, like three in the morning. Oh, man. So it's a, it's a ghost town, right? Because they had just come back off a of deployment. So people are on leave. You know, it, it's a skeleton crew. You know, the, the iPads there, the so that's uh, import emergency team. You know, they're the only ones that are on duty at that point in time, for the most part. And it's just, I don't know. It, it was really overwhelming, to say the least. And we went and found the, the galley, and we went and got coffee. And we're going to stay up all night long, and we're going to reevaluate our lives in the morning type deal. So... Wow. And now, so you get up in the morning, it's your first full day on this ship after a school. Like what, what's going through your mind? Where do I go? How do I get there? Who are these people? Okay. Musters at seven. Don't be late on your first day. What am I supposed to wear? You know, how do I show up? What's my day going to look like? It's, it's weird. It's it's like the first day of school. Is is that how you felt, Jordan? When you, so when I left, uh, my first duty station was actually Road to Spain. Fuck off. So <laughs> <laughs> I was there for three years, um, and it was super laid back in the beginning, just because it was it was more of a they call it like an an, an end of service duty station, pretty much. Uh, but like getting there I, when I was picked up initially, I, I got there at like nine o'clock in the morning and then they were like, Hey, we're going to check in really quick, get you to your room. And then we'll come and like, see how you're doing in a couple hours. And so they, they got me all checked in and everything introduced me to a few people. And, uh, then when they got back, they're like, all right, toss on some normal clothes. Let's, let's go drink. And it's, you can drink at 18 here. <laughs> Sounds like, terrible. How like, all horrible right. is that? So right. I spent the the next three years of my life absolutely wasted. Jesus Christ! And you know, did what? you build any runways at least or anything? Or so my job in Rota, uh, I was actually part of the Public Works Division, um, and I was in in charge of runway uh, maintenance. So I we did the uh, the big the big lighting structures. We made we you know we changed all the bulbs on those and made sure the lights on the runway were good. And then during the summer, since it was a Spanish-owned base and we were so close to the water, uh, we would uh, pressure wa- like power wash the lines with like for a bucket salt. truck for like the salt and everything, yeah. for the corrosion on the wires and stuff like that. Um, huh. And then being a CB, having access to all the construction stuff, we did a lot of demolition on base for like free for them, so they didn't have to hire out people. So they were like, "Hey, we're going to tear down a library," and then we said, "Okay." we will tear down the library we're gonna 
uh, like empty it out first, use it for a haunted house, and then when we're done, we'll demo it. <laughs> so we like built a haunted house out of it, used the money for the CB ball, and then tore it down when we were done with it. Let me tell you something crazy. So I, how long have you been here in Arizona? Uh, I got here in 22. Yeah, so last year. Okay, so you weren't here when the new 202 was no. initially being built. Tyler will tell you. <laughs> when they tore your house down? When they tore my house down. <laughs> so here's the thing. My house was one of the last houses torn down, right? Okay. So I come out one morning. I, I had a torn Achilles, so I'm on medical leave. Um, I still got to walk my damn dog, but I'm on pain pills, and I got a boot. And I come outside at like 8 in the morning to walk the dog. It's probably maybe third week in November at that time. And I see all of these black SUVs shoot through my neighborhood. And they all pull up at a house, like three houses down. Lights, everybody, they, they got dudes on the side of the, the SUVs. They jump off, jump out. Now, mind you, I'm, I'm on Percocet. So I'm just tripping like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. And I know that these houses are empty because, you know, they're getting ready to be torn down. And I just see all of these SWAT team members jump out, push through this house, and, like, breach the door, go through. I'm like, who the fuck are they looking for? This house is about to be torn down and not even thinking that they're just training. Yeah. That's all they're doing. So I didn't even, when you mentioned that, I'm like, it, okay, it makes sense. Why not use this soon-to-be-empty building for training before we tear it down? But it it flipped me out. And I didn't have my phone on me because I would have surely put that on, on Facebook. Oh, absolutely. Like, Look at these dumb fucks. They're about to go try to get somebody <laughs> and they don't even live there anymore. <laughs> but that, I mean... I wish the army would have done stuff like that instead of building like we built plywood structures, like okay. whole towns, just plywood. So it, it, like if you look on a movie set and you see the front is painted like general store or, you know, animal feed or whatever. And then you go around and it's just wood. It's just a little A-frame two by four yeah. in the back. When when we could have, you know, I'm sure that there were buildings, you know, there's a mall that's about to be demolished. Why don't we go over there and, and practice in this mall? Yeah. Made no sense. But anyway, sorry, I digress. Um, so now, you know, you figure out your way. And how long were you on the ship for total years uh, before you got out? Two and a half years. Two and a half years on the ship. Okay. So. Three years. Two and a half, three years. Yeah. Okay. Once you get your bearing and you start to meet meet people, like talk to me about your experience moving forward like now you're comfortable you're in bremerton um bremerton uh, jordan's from there so he can talk a little bit about how fun that town is <laughs> <laughs> bremerton um yeah so we were doing a refit right so they came in and they had ripped out everything on the interior of the aircraft carrier rebuilt all the birthings all the workspaces all stuff like that so we were actually living on a on a barge um across the pier from the ship um, for the the first eight months of the time that I was there. So we, there's a, a bowling alley and a bar on base. Spent a lot of time there, you know, bowling, playing pool, stuff like that. Uh, you know, going to the mall, trying to meet girls, trying to, you know, live a normal, a normal life, right? Like while you're in the service and you're still there. So it's. Let me, let me, let me, let me say something real quick. It's probably girls that Jordan was being babysat by. 
probably. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it it might have been his sister. I don't know. Like, Man, if I wasn't <laughs> an only child. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I mean, it's weird though, right? Like we'd we'd go to the like the movie theater, and this sticks out of my mind like super crazy. There was a girl that worked there that everybody was in love with until we found out that her dad was a commander. And then we were like, oh, okay, that, that's hands off. Like we can't, can't hit on her anymore. Right. Have like some balls. <laughs> so yeah, no, like, you know, we, we, we fished a lot. There's a lot of lakes up there. A lot of, you know, trout fishing, a lot of bass fishing, smallmouth, which was weird to me because everything in Arizona is largemouth. Right. Bass white. So we're up there fishing smallmouth bass. My best friend in the Navy, Jason Wells, is actually from Sacramento. Okay. Um, Wait. So that name sounds familiar. He's the same age as me. So he's a little bit younger than you. Yeah. Um, he's not from Sacramento itself. It's from one of like the little outskirt towns. But it doesn't matter because, like, we if you there aren't. I, I want. I don't want to say there aren't very many high schools in Sacramento because there are, but. If if he played sports or did anything around town that involved groups, we all know each other. Yeah, it's, it's a and it's his a, dad worked for the power company. It's um, a small big town forever. Yeah, <laughs> so no, it's cool. He he taught me how to fish for for smallmouth because that's what you guys fish for in Northern California. So it, it was kind of cool. So well, we if he lived closer to Folsom Lake, dudes, that's probably what he apartment. Was that? I said if he fished in Folsom Lake, that's probably what he was fishing for. But for me, like. Largemouth bass over in the Sacramento River, like near the Delta. That's what I fished for because I was closer to that. Or okay. trout in the American River in the colder water. It'll come back to me the name of the town that he lived in at some point tonight, I'm sure. Or I'll text you at like 2 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Um, but it, it, so I enjoy fishing in Puget Sound. Did you guys not? Like yeah, so that? we'd actually go squidging right yeah, down the road from go get the we lived in. In Puget Sound? Mm-hmm. I got flounder out of there. I didn't never get a squid. Yeah. No, you didn't get flounder. You got halibut. Halibut, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, this, they're little mm. tiny squids, right? Like, you make, you know, you, you chop them up, and then you bread them, and then deep fry them, and it's so good. You go at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning when it's, like, yep. dumping rain. And really? then the lights are just blasting down off the pier. Yep. <laughs> All right, so, I mean, I'm probably the only one with the flexible schedule, but. I would love for y'all to show me that shit. Yeah. If we can get up there at some point. That would be awesome. I'd love to. All right. And so I want to I want to go to Jordan's like experience growing up in Bremerton because of course he's growing up at the same time as your station there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what was your experience in Bremerton being a being a kid there? One thing I'll never deny about Washington is it's, you know, even though it rains literally two-thirds out of the year it's it's the greenest state i've ever been to it's just it's beautiful it's always everything's always in bloom um but with that uh i had horrid allergies growing up just year round um always off the charts everything like that so that was kind of unfortunate but i i never really got affected by the uh seasonal depression with the rain i like the overcast i like the rain and everything like that i don't know why i moved here to the state. <laughs> not a single fucking cloud. Yeah, at not all. a single cloud ever in the sky. But um, no, the 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 dreariness was always kind of a comfort. I remember the year we moved to Washington. It was 1998. Uh, Seattle still holds the record for the longest 
uh, continuous rainfall without stopping. It was like a hundred or something fucking hilarious. Hmm. I was in Fort at Fort Lewis then. Yeah, it's like a hundred four days. Yeah, I remember that year of rain consecutive without stopping. There was not a twenty four hour period where there wasn't precipitation for almost a half a year. It was crazy, and I had to run in that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was there then. I, I had left Korea in ninety eight and got to Fort Lewis. Uh, August or September of 1998 is when I got to Fort Lewis. Okay. And so then in my time in service, I actually came back to Washington a few separate times and visited people that were down in uh, Bremerton. And then the, oh, what was the other base that's in Washington? Everett? No, I would be. Oh, no. Yeah. Whidbey Island. There was, it was, I think it was an air base. Oh, McCord. That's, that's McCord. Yeah. yeah. McCord. Yeah. yeah. So I visited some friends up in McCord and then stuff in Bremerton and just seeing it grow over the years and just modernize and everything. It's been really cool. Uh, Bremerton's a beautiful place. It's just, it's incredibly expensive these days. Last I was really? there. Yeah. I was there. I lived there in 2016, 17. And at the time, uh, I had a two bedroom apartment and it was almost like 20, 24, 2500 a month. That's wow. Right. That's insane. Yeah. But Scottsdale it, but, prices. But it was like, it was like three or four minutes away from the base. So it was, you know, that they, they were like, oh, we can get these, these military yeah. guys on like a BAH. Yeah. Yeah. Or what do they, is it BAH or BAQ now that they call it? I don't know what they call it. Was it was BAH for me. It was BAH back when I was in. So when I first went in, it was BAQ. Basic allowance for quarters, and then basic allowance for housing after a while. What was your What was your E three pay when you were in the barracks? You don't want to know. I do. <laughs> um, so I was probably making about five seventy five every two weeks as an E three, and I think, yeah, I think I, that's about how much I was making. But I also I think it was like seven for me. I also was making a little bit extra because of the job that I had. Okay. So, um, but I think base pay was probably close to 500 bucks every two weeks. That's about what I got. Yeah. E3? Mm-hmm. Were you married? Nope. No? Maybe I was married as an E3. I don't know. But I know I, I wasn't like making. I we making more than that in 03. Yeah, you had to have been making more than that, Jordan. I think we were making like maybe that's bucks what you made as an E one. Maybe I, I'd have to go back and look at it again because I I still have all my LESs. I'm gonna bring them in, <laughs> bro. I have every LES I ever got, every one. Wow, mid month and end of month. Damn, it's wild. I was going through, and it's funny because you mentioned you got to write letters in basic. Mm-hmm. My grandmother wrote me twice a twice a day, every week I was in basic training. I have every one of the letters she I love wrote. That me. I love that. That's um, cool. Yeah, maybe one of these days I'll sit back and I'll read the letters uh, <laughs> on one on an episode. That would be cool. Um, but yeah, I I have a a full footlocker full of all of my early military stuff. I I got my my paperwork from Meps. That's yeah, I'm a, I'm a fucking hoarder. But I never, you know, it's one of those things where like my grandfather's all of my grandfather's stuff is lost. I have his flag and that's it. They don't know where his DD two fourteen is. They don't know where his his Marine Corps, like any of the lapel things that he got, nothing. Um, he, I remember him showing me his. He had a uh, his flight aptitude test because he wanted to be a pilot in the Navy. And they told him, "Fuck off, 
you you're black. You got to go be an infantry or a cook. And he he had his aptitude test. And I remember seeing that and no clue where it's at. So I wanted to make sure that my kids would have y'all. Y'all going to be digging through shit for eight, 10 months when I die. <laughs> you can have everything. If you want it. You got to find it. You got to find it. It's all in there. Yeah, we have all my grandpa stuff. He, my, my grandpa actually wrote a letter to the Air Force whenever he was like 12 or something like that and was like, I want to be a pilot. How do I become a pilot? And, you know, they wrote him back and, you know, all that fun stuff. And, you know, he has, we have his war diaries whenever he was a POW um, in World War II. And it's, I, I wish I had more of my stuff because that's, that's cool. Yeah. And I mean, it's fortunately for us, we, we're, you know, everything's, pretty much digital yeah. so if we wanted to track all that stuff like i i just made sure i was not and and not even so much for my kids because i didn't have kids then when i started it was because i knew at some point like we can't find any of my grandfather's stuff i never let that flag out of my sight because that's all i have left because nobody took the time or, or made the effort to say this is probably something that we want to pass down I, i'd never i've like I just started putting stuff away. Like I don't give a damn. They're gonna see how much I made as a private in in 1997. You mm-hmm. know, you're you're gonna see that. I was. Uh, I just want to throw it out there. I was six in 1997. Fuck <laughs> you, <Jesus>. Jordan. <laughs> Jordan was six in 1997. That's wild. I think I was 19. I was 14. God damn, you guys are old as shit. <laughs> Listen here, whippersnapper. <laughs> right? <laughs> I could probably outrun you now. But you probably still could, absolutely. No, I couldn't a year ago. Now I <laughs> probably probably can't. This guy, so he was making fun of me because him and his son, we were going up a hill one time to glass. Uh the last time the time we went hunting, what was it, 2021? Yep. Yeah. Down down south. My knees were jacked. And these motherfuckers had big ass packs. He's carrying my pack on the on his front and his pack on the back, and him and his son and my son are going up this hill. I got two walking sticks. <laughs> they're up there. They're eating lunch. And they're done. I already see a bunch of deer before I finally get up there and sit down out of breath. God damn. Yeah. Now, I could probably I could smoke him up that hill. I got I to gotta quit this thing. You might. <laughs> oh, no. I've lost about 50 pounds now. I could get you. <laughs> but, so, Jordan, after you left... Wichita Falls. You, where'd you go from there? Road to Spain. That's right. God damn. So here's the thing. I, I, about three months ago, I decided that I was going to move to Portugal. And I wanted to move to Portugal before June of next year or July of next year. I, I want to be out of here before the election. Okay. And I'm looking around and I'm like, man, you know, what the hell am I going to do there? And I didn't know about the Algarve in Portugal. It's the southern port, southern part, like about an hour and a half. Where I want to live, it's about an hour and a half. Lagos is about an hour and a half um, west of Rhoda. Okay. Um, so I was trying to figure out where the hell I was going to go to get, like, medication and stuff like that. I'm like, Rhoda, Spain is right there. And I started looking around the area. I'm like, huh. I, have, you ever, have you ever seen the area around Rhoda, Tyler? I haven't. Bro. It's beautiful north of morocco and then what is that gibraltar gibraltar the rock of gibraltar oh is about two hours away god ridiculous so i was like okay i'm not moving to porto or lisbon 
I want to move to the Algarve and be closer to to Rhoda. And I started looking at pictures of of Rhoda and the ships, and I'm like, how in the hell do you that, like? I should have. Why didn't I join the Navy? Why didn't I join the Navy? Here I am going to Camp Humphreys, Korea twice, <laughs> Fort Rucker, Alabama. You know, Hinesville, Georgia, and this dude gets Rhoda, Spain. But you you went to go be all you can be. I now I almost wish I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but man, this is like tell me your experience on Rhoda. I know you say you were drunk the whole time, but there's got to be. I mean, I I I spent all the t- all the free time I had traveling. I did. They just the the MWR on base offered trips all the time, almost almost every weekend to go to other countries close by. I. uh I, I had tattoo artists up in like Barcelona and Madrid, so I would go take a train from like uh, like Jerez or Jerez, like half hour, forty five minutes away, and then it, it was like a six hour train ride up to Barcelona. Go get a, a hostel up there for the weekend, go get tattooed, and come back down to the base. Didn't have to put any requests in. Just as long as I was back, I could go travel to. I ended up going to nineteen different countries. See, that's amazing. While I was in Spain. Now, Tyler, this is something because you spent your entire time at Bremerton, right? Yep. Okay. So, so one. Well, on the ship, yeah. On the we ship. deployed and whatnot, but right. But you weren't for an extended period of time stationed in a in a overseas uh, destination. No. So I'm going to tell you the most amazing thing is when you are stationed in another country. Not only do you get U.S. holidays, but you get host nation holidays off too. So. You, I mean, you're probably working, what, maybe 157 days a year? Because especially in Spain, they got, I mean, they got a, a holiday for every fucking saint. If that, and they also do siestas in the middle of the day. Yes. They do those, like, three-hour naps. Yes. So when we're doing when we're doing projects with the Spanish locals, we're working on their hours. And that's like, okay, show up at 10, work till noon. Then you're off till 4 and come back and work till 5. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, a, a, so a, a four-hour work day with a four-hour break in between. All right. <laughs> right. Cool. And and I'm telling you, like, it's, you 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 wake up on a Monday and they're like, hey, we got a four-day weekend. It's the St. Lawrence, the patron saint of socks day or, so, or weekend or something <laughs> like that. It's ridiculous how many days off you get. And so I, I mean, I'm jealous, man, because there, there are only so many places that you can travel. And my, my first duty station was Korea. Mm-hmm. There are only so many places you can travel when you're in Korea. Like, okay, I'm gonna go to Seoul. I'm gonna go to Osan. My second time there, then it was like, I can go to Japan for mm-hmm. a four day or five day weekend, and there are naval bases there that I can, I can stay on base in lodging. Yeah. So that made it fun, but I can imagine being as a young sailor. Or young, young, newly recruited person in the military to go to Rota and have that much access to the world. It was not a good idea. <laughs> no, <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> it was just um, I, I, I saved I saved no money there. Like I said, I just I, I traveled. I moved off base as soon as I could, so I wasn't restricted to all, any you know any of their policies. And so when I did move off base, it was just the the spanish locals there the the night scene the bar life there they don't start getting things going until you know 11 to 1 in the morning so Jesus. you need to like you need to start pre-gaming at 8 or 9 p.m. and have dinner at like 10 because you're going to be out at at dancing until 6 or 7 o'clock till the sun comes up and then you just drunk wow. stumble back to base 
you know my first experience with that. I, now I did it in Korea, but I don't I don't really remember much of that because we had hotels right outside of the clubs. Yeah. My first experience with that was with my cousin in Germany. He was stationed in Germany, and I went to visit him. And you know, I'm thinking, why are we going to the club at fucking midnight? This is bullshit. We're gonna miss out on all the fun stuff. Get there. Well, we take the train from his apartment, and his the the station that we got on at was like probably the begin point of where people start to get onto the train all the way to the club, the mm-hmm. Euro Palace in Frankfurt, Germany, if you're wondering. Um, and I remember we got on and there the train wasn't <laughs> packed. So we he had a bunch of Hefeweizen that we're drinking. And at each stop, more people got on and more people got on. And then finally, I mean, it was a party just on the train before <laughs> we got to the final stop where the club was. Like people had radios, like boom boxes, and they're passing out beers and uh, ecstasy. It was it was bananas, <laughs> whiskey bottles, and then we get to the club at like midnight. Go in and everybody files in, and they give you the card. I don't know if they if they had this in Spain, but they give you this drink card because they don't charge you. There's too many people that come in this club, so you have this card that you got to carry around, and it has a tier. For each type of drink that you get. If you got a Long Island IC, it's over here at tier five. If you got a gin and juice, it's at tier one. The cheap shit. Okay. So they just stamp it, like like um, punch a hole in where you get what drink you get. And at the end of the night, you you can't leave until you turn your card in and then they'll tally everything up and you pay. So, you know, they don't do gratuity. Okay. You just okay. pay. And I, I didn't even, I wasn't even keeping track of time or anything like that. I was just having a ball. And I remember walking out and the sun's up, people in business suits going to work and shit. <laughs> you know, McDonald's is about to start serving lunch. I'm like, what in the world is happening here? I've never experienced anything like that. Everything on my body hurts from dancing for eight hours. Yeah. It was insane. So I do apologize, Tyler, that you didn't get to experience that, but. No, hey, you know, I, I got to experience Thailand. Oh, that's true. Cobra Gold? Yeah, buddy. What year? Tiger Tiger Beer. What what year did you go oh, to Thailand? Oh shit. Uh oh three. Oh three. Oh, I was back in Korea by then. Do you remember any of your, your leadership while you were in? Um, I had Chief Swanson reminding me of Rodney Dangerfield. Uh Dale Merrick was my <clears throat> our first class petty officer, lead petty officer. He he's always stuck with me in my mind. Uh he retired shortly after I got out. Um we had a senior chief that went Mustang, became a chief warrant officer that I've always thought about. I can't remember that guy's name to save my life. Um, you know, Captain Wren was the, was the captain of the ship uh, when I was in. He was a naval aviator, which is pretty much what you got to do to become a, a carrier um, captain. Um, not, outside of that, I mean, it it was it really it stayed the same, you know, the entire. I was only in four years, right? So it, it all stayed the same. What? So, I mean, I I know that being in Bremerton again, I was I was stationed at Fort Lewis, so with Seattle in proximity, Tacoma, Portland, hour away, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you can go up to to Vancouver, and that's where yep. I went to party because I was young at yep. the time. Us too. We jump on the Clipper and head up to Victoria. Yep. Like, you got any wild stories? Not really. No, you were just a good soldier, nah, a good sailor. I, nah, I mean, I wouldn't say I was good, right? But um, no, it was just 
dumb kid shit, right? I mean, I can make something up. It's my story. and I, I can tell you whatever I want, but <laughs> nah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that if if we end up getting some of your fellow sailors that are listening, they'd be like, Tyler's full of shit. <laughs> right. This dude was wild. <laughs> no, I got it. I mean, we used to go to Deja Vu all the time. Yep. You know, I spent a ton of time there drinking SoCo and Cokes in the parking lot before we head in. Jordan, did you ever go to Deja Vu in Seattle? No, sir. Do you know what that is? Uh-uh. That's a uh, gentleman's club where they had very, very real, upstanding real, young real ladies. Real nice place. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they'd read to you. And, oh, oh, the best kind of place. Yeah, they had they right. had very conservative outfits on. Yeah, it was uh, what 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 they say: thousands of beautiful girls and one ugly one. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> and they weren't bullshitting. Right? Nah, man, we spent so much money there. That was that was our go-to place. Right, eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old. Um, do you do you have any? Who, who did you hang out with when when you were there? Like, what was your your friend group like? Or you're at Bremerton? Uh, mostly dudes in my shop that I worked with. Uh, a couple guys that I met when I was mess cranking. Um, Josh McGill, he's one of them. He actually, he's back up there. Um, he's from Kansas. He got out, went back to Kansas, decided he wanted to go to underwater diving school or underwater welding school. Went back up to uh, Seattle, went to underwater welding school, then got a job in the shipyard. And I give him shit all the time. I'm like, what are you doing back up there, bro? He's like, it's a government job. He's like, I get government retirement. He's like, I'm buying all my time back from the Navy. So that was smart of him to do. Yeah, uh, smart man. And I tried to talk you into doing that, but, uh, you know. Yeah, I have guy, that time. I have my Forest Service time. I, I can I buy a lot back right now. <laughs> speaking of Forest Service time, let's let's talk about that. Because, um, I mean, sounds like Bremerton was boring for you, unlike Jordan. <laughs> uh, you So you you spent you spent your time three, two and a half, three years in Bremerton. And then um, when it was time to hang up the the blues, you came back here home, right? Yep. Back to Mesa? Yep. Came back here, um, you know, tooled around a little bit, did some landscaping, you know, worked in restaurants, just kind of trying to find myself again, right? Because once you leave that structure of the military, it's really hard to find something that fulfills you the way that did, right? So you know, I worked, I worked at Lowe's. I, I just did all kinds of random shit. And I had a buddy that was a hotshot with the globe hotshots here, um, in Arizona. And he's like, bro, he's like, I'm transferring to the Mesa Ranger station. I'm getting, I'm going to be on an engine. He's like, I'm part of the interview board. He's like, come interview. He's like, I'll get you on. I'm like, ah, sounds cool. I'll, you know, I'll go fight forest fires, whatever. So go down and interview, you know, I get hired season starts, um, hotshot crew needs help. I'm like, I'm dumb. I'll go. I'll have a hotshot crew. So basically the hotshot crew, if you're not familiar, is it's the Navy SEALs, the, the the Rangers, the PJs. I mean, it's like these special forces of federal firefighting. And it's it's a 20-person hand crew. You're out, you're hiking, you're sawing, you're cutting line, you're just out being dudes, right? <laughs> and uh, that was the closest thing that I have ever found to being back in the military again in terms of the camaraderie. I mean, you're spending a whole summer with these dudes in the back of these hotshot buddies or in a spike camp or whatever it may be. Were there special requirements? What was the training like? What, you know, was there anything that you had to do prior to going that set you up for, for being in an elite group like that? No, nothing. Um, so you get hired on, you basically, you have to pass the red card test. Um, it's, it's arduous duty. So you have to, I, if I remember correctly, it's three miles that you have to 
walk at a brisk pace um, in like 36 minutes or something like that. So it, you're, you're moving pretty quick, right? With a 30 pound pack on your back and, you know, carrying weight, but you're doing it in gym shoes and shorts and a t-shirt. You know what I mean? You're not, not in full gear. Once you get out there, I mean, you're in, you're in boots and, you know, Nomex pants, Nomex shirt, 60 pound pack, a, a, a piss pump on your back, which is basically a bladder bag with a, a nozzle on the end that you're spraying water with. Uh, it was, it was different, man. It was, it was an experience. You know, this was in the early 2000s, 06, 07, 08, kind of in that time frame, right before I met you. Yeah. And I didn't really understand what I was doing in terms of their, their respect behind it until I was done. Like same thing in the military, yeah. you know, I didn't grasp how cool it was with the stuff that I was doing until I was done. I literally was just about to say that. Like, it, it, as you as you say that, I was talking to some folks earlier. Um, you know, shout out to uh, Alan and Dana who bought me dinner tonight. They, um, you know, it's one of those things where I tell them like they they have a healthy respect for military members, first responders. But um, and Alan was a teacher for thirty plus years, and it's one of those things where it's like I feel their passion for what we did in the service. But it's also one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I didn't I didn't join. I didn't serve for that. So it's hard for me to to get jazzed about something like that. And when when people say thank you for your service, I have a really hard time grasping how to respond to that because I didn't do it for that. Right. You know, I, I did it for myself. And, and there's people out there that have done a whole hell of a lot more than, than I've done. And I mean, look at your pictures, bro, with, that you've shown me of you in Baghdad under the swords and you at the airport. And, you know, when there's times in my life where I wish that I would have gone that route instead of going into the Navy. Right. And I, and I, I mean, think about this, though. Um, there are also times where as we're going up a hill to go glass that I wish I could have just being right next to you guys instead of my fucking body hurting, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And we, we, you know, we, we all do what we do and we all, we all served our purpose and we were all one spoke on the same fucking wheel. And yeah. I don't care if you're a puddle pirate coast guard guy, you raised your right hand, you signed that oath and you fucking did it. Yeah. And no one can ever take that away from you. And I mean, the, the three of us, I can honestly say th three different eras because I joined in 1996. So, um, you know, Tyler came what, five years later yep, one. and you came, <laughs> uh, you know, even uh, after that, even after that, <laughs> I won't even uh, feel old saying, but you know, our, our bond. And I mentioned this in damn near every episode, like the bond that we have just, we didn't serve in the same branch, but we did something that a lot of people wish they fucking did. Yep. We just did it. Um, I was at the Diamondbacks playoff game the other night and, you know, they always have all the vets stand up and, you know, you stand up and you look around and you see people from different walks of life that, you, you know, you don't know their story or where they come from or what they do now. But you know what? For that period of time, we were all the same people. We were all the same team. That's it. One, and that's that's the motto of this podcast. One team, one fight. Um, we give each other shit a lot. And a lot. There's one time a year that I hate <laughs> both of you, <laughs> but as soon as that game's over, I love y'all like you're my family members. 
Yep. Um, at Jordan and I just met what a month ago, if that. Yeah. Yeah. And and this dude, I mean, I w- I wouldn't hesitate to do anything for him. And you know how I am with you, Tyler. Like, yep. and and we'll get to the point in what oh seven or oh eight when we met. I think, I think it was oh eight. Yeah. Wait till you hear this story. Uh, so his his birthday is four days before mine. Okay. Um, and I worked at a bar. Like when I'm when I moved to Arizona, I just wanted to. Um, I got bitched at for for wanting to watch football all the time. So I wanted to leave the house to go watch football. So I found a bar that was literally a five minute drive. So you know, if I happened to have a couple of beers. It was either a cheap taxi ride or I could just kind of put the car and drive and just let it drive me home. Mm-hmm. Um, statute of limitations don't apply anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen things. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sure you have. <laughs> um, and one, I don't know, it was one week and I don't even remember what was going on. Were we watching baseball or something? I think it was football, wasn't it? No, it was June. It was like your birthday weekend. It might have been baseball then or basketball. Yeah, yeah. And we're sitting on the patio at the bar that I work at, and, and both of us are hammered. And something happened. I, you probably remember this better than me. Um, you had to carry me out that night. Remember that much? <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So he, I mean, Tyler is passionate about whatever he likes. And so I'm not working that night at the bar, but everybody knows that I'm there. So... I think we had talked a couple of times or whatever. You know, I bought him a shot for his birthday or something. And we're just sitting a table apart. Like me and my girl are over here and Tyler and his girl are and and a couple of friends. I think Phil was with you. I think Phil was there, yeah. Yeah, and somebody else was sitting there. Um, so we had already talked. You should, should get Phil on here. He's an Air Force vet and he's still in the army. Oh, he was army. Yeah, he was army vet too, right? Uh, he's still no, in he's the National army. Guard. Yeah. But so they're there and I'm and me and my girl are over here and we're both pretty trashed. It's still kind of daytime. <laughs> and some Tyler, somebody said something to Tyler. And now I already know that he's a veteran. So I already got his back. It's not even a question. Yeah. Even though these people that are talking to him are regulars in the bar. You, you don't matter at that point. And something happened. And he is, I mean, I, I can see Tyler ain't about to fuck around with this dude. He's just like, eh, we're not playing this game. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna try to talk to him, see if we can get him out. Well, the, the servers don't know Tyler. They know the dude over there. I mean, they, they've seen him because you guys have been in there a couple times, right? Yeah. Yeah, they've seen him before. But this dude is a regular that comes in every single Saturday. That's Tyler's birthday. So I, I'm talking to him. And the dude, now he sees me talking to him and he's like, oh, you know, just egging Tyler on. And I'm like, all right, I just pick Tyler up and we go out front. (laughs) (laughs) And literally all I remember from that point on, like, I think we closed out our tab and then went to Tyler and Rochelle's apartment. And we've been inseparable since that day. And it was his birthday. And then four days later, we celebrated my birthday. And then we just been best friends ever since. Hell yeah. And, you know. I let Marcus in my house. We had the swine flu. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Dude, I, it was bad. I don't even remember. I, I, I walked home that night, didn't I? From your. I think, I think I drove you home. Oh, yeah. So this was like when the swine flu was big and we're making fun of it. 
because it's, you know, it's a China virus or whatever. And we, you know, we're just talking. We, I, we were over playing Wii at his apartment and I just wasn't feeling bright. I, something was, it was off. I'm like, so he drives me home. I didn't wake up the next morning. I'm on the couch, like one sock on, covered in sweat. I can't even move. I had to call 911 to, to get taken to the hospital, find out I got H1N1. And these fuckers are laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I remember I had been, I had to be quarantined for like three weeks. Yeah. I, I finally get cleared to go back to work. And my whole desk at work is cleared. Like everything. I got brand new monitor, brand new keyboard. And all my coworkers are like, bro, you okay? Because that, that was the same time that we had like some sort of weird Ebola outbreak in Awatuki where we lived. I remember that. Yeah. And um, they were like, dude, they made us like evacuate the the office. And like these dudes in hazmat gear came and removed your chair and everything on your desk and like sprayed everything around. <laughs> yeah. And they they thought I had Ebola. God <laughs> like damn. all my coworkers. So then I come back and I'm working like fresh off of medical leave. And like two weeks later, I didn't I didn't even put any of my pictures or anything back on my desk because they gave it to me in a bag, like a garbage bag that they had sprayed, smelled like chemicals. So I was like, I'm not bringing this crap back. And like two weeks later, they laid me off. They laid a bunch of people off. But yeah. <laughs> That's was, what I, I got. I got laid off at ACS. Then me and you tried to go become professional gamblers at the casino. Yep. We go to the casino <laughs> damn near every day. <laughs> Use our, use our unemployment. <laughs> we get our unemployment check and go to the go to the casino, Lone Butte, or no, yeah. Wild Horse Pass. No, yeah, it was the, it was the, right when it first opened up. Yeah, Wild Horse Pass. Yeah, we were wild, man. <laughs> That's hilarious. But yeah, I'd be sitting there, and we, you know, I'd be working, he'd be drinking, and at midnight or twelve oh one, we'd see that our uh, unemployment hit. All right, cool. Pay Let's get tab. off. We're going. We're going straight over to the. To the casino after we pit a tab. <laughs> but it's degenerate. Yeah, we were we were wild, man. And the uh yeah, he's been with me. Tyler's been with me through every single relationship after after that. Was... I remember I sent you a text one day and I was like, bro, you just need to be single the rest of your life because this shit never works out for you. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what I do have to say in closing is if you're out there and you're struggling and you're not having a good time, don't hesitate to reach out to anybody for help. We're, we're here for you. I don't even fucking care if I know you like find me and I'll, I'll talk. I'll talk to you. I'll, I'll, I'll be that dude for you. Just keep pushing forward. We're all here together. We're all here to make it a better place. And I, I love all you guys. What's so. your social media, Tyler? Uh, at tubing Tyler one on Twitter. You got IG or Facebook or anything? Uh, tubing you... Tyler on Instagram. Uh, no Facebook. I can't do the Zuck. I, I barely go on Instagram. Um, you'll find me shit posting on Twitter all the time, man. Okay. Or X. X. All right, brother. I love you. Um, we'll uh, we'll get back with you, and hopefully, we can get this uh, Army Navy game thing together so we can all sit back and bullshit. And it's a, a noon start, so that's even better. Yes, Jordan, sir. pleasure meeting you, bro. Welcome pleasure meeting you, too. Or something like that. Yes, sir. Marcus, love you. All right, brother. You love owe you. me lunch. I, I bought last time. You did. You did. All right, man. I'll get you. <laughs> All right. We'll talk. All right. Bye. All right. See you guys.
All right, Jordan. So it's just you and I, man. Um, we got a couple minutes left. Anybody you want to shout out or say what's up to, oh, or anybody man. you, you want to remember? Um, I'll shout out two people real quick. One of them, I don't know where he's at now or what he's doing now. It's been probably five or six years since I've heard of him. He was my petty officer second class. His name was Timothy Kirby. He uh, kind of took me under his wing when I first got to Rota. He was a metalhead like myself. So we kind of connected over that. And I always, always remember the kindness you showed me there. And then I also want to remember uh, my best friend, Juan Aviles, who uh, took his life in 2019 uh, from uh, PTSD and stuff like that. He wasn't doing too well. So I remember him daily. I just want to give a shout out to him and let him know that I'm thinking about him. I love and I miss him. Yeah. Shout out to those two gentlemen, man. We love you guys. Um, and, and I kind of want to piggyback on what Tyler said. Um, you know, it's, it's a sad thing that we have to say this, but I mean, we come from three different eras, two different branches of the military, and we're all affected by, um, folks that we served with that have tragically taken their life. And any family members are listening to this. Um, you know, be mindful of what your family member that served has gone through. Um, you know, and understand that sometimes they may distance themselves from you. Don't, don't add to that trauma by, by giving them grief about wanting to be distant. Um, you know, show a little bit of, of love and, uh, understanding that, they they may have gone through some things. They, they they have gone through some things that you can't understand. Um, and again, the the you know there is a number that you can reach out to. Nine eight eight is uh, the national mental health crisis line. So um, if you do feel like you have a loved one that uh, is in need of some help, and you you can you can see it. You know, even if it's you you reach out and it's a false alarm, it's better to to reach out. And uh, and have it be nothing, then not reach out and lose everything. So um, once again, this has been another episode of the Day Room Podcast. I do want to thank Jordan for being our engineer tonight and also sharing his story. We're going to get Jordan back here so we can just have him solo because I want to hear more about Rota Spain and his travels throughout Europe. Absolutely. Love All to right, talk brother. about that. All right. Love you, man. Love you guys, too. Have a good night. All right, bro.